Welcome to Short Stories, a podcast on mommyhood matters by the Shortest Tallman. I am your host, Maggie Tallman, the Shortest Tallman herself. Grab a cup of coffee or tea and hang out with me while we discuss everything mommyhood. I'll share with you a bit about my own life and stories and bring on some amazing guests who are real moms like you and me doing really amazing things. So let's get started. My shorties, I'm so excited that you're back for episode two. Um, that's French for two. <laughs> um, is May like the craziest month in the world or what? Um, I kind of feel like I would have not characterized May as being so hectic. Um, but this is the first May that we have two kids in two different sports on two different teams. And my head is kind of popping off a little bit. Um, it's kind of like a totally um, new way of life for us uh, at the Talmus, Talman household. Um, yeah, we have soccer and softball. And um, we've never had this going on with like every five seconds, somebody's having a practice or a game. And I'm just left crossing my fingers that... Um, we can fit them all in that they don't overlap or if they overlap, they're at the same field oh, or something crazy like that. But it is, it is really a lot of fun. I didn't get to do a lot of that stuff when I was a kid and I just love watching my kids participate in that stuff. So it is all good. And on my, my voice teacher front, this was a huge month because um, it was the Nisma Solo Fest month. So lots going on with that. Whew, I'm ready for Memorial Day weekend for the long weekend. Um, so I thought I'd bring something up, and I'm kind of hoping that, you know, you'll reach out to me, um, comment, you know, either on uh, my Facebook page at The Shortest Tallman or my Instagram page at The Shortest Tallman. Um, at what age do you start? Uh, with or at what age you give your child um, or plan to give your child if your child is not old enough a smartphone or a smart device of their own? Um, my daughter just recently went to a sleepover party, and all of the other kids had a device except for her, and she's only in third grade. So, you know, I I think um, you know my daughter this she's the oldest in our family. And, um, and I think for a lot of these other families, you know, they were probably hand-me-downs from teenage siblings or whatever, but it just, it totally threw me for a loop. Um, because, you know, we just don't, I mean, my kids certainly have screen time. I'm not above that whatsoever, but, um, yeah, it just kind of brought up a whole new, um, world for me as a parent, um, you know, just navigating this, like, oh my gosh, we're in this new stage where, you know, my, where our kids are at the age where their friends have devices, you know, of their very own. So oh, I'm just sort of contending with that and trying to navigate that um, here. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole new world I'm, I'm into. And it made me, um, it reminded me of when I read Hands-Free Life by Rachel Macy Stafford. And you all know how much I'm obsessed with Rachel Macy Stafford. And one of the chapters in Hands-Free Life um, was all about um, 
social media usage in particular with children and with teenagers. Um, and so I did a quick search on, on her website, handsfreemama.com. And I found a great article, um, that's called tether yourself. The enlightening talk parents aren't having can keep teens, uh, from a damaging drift. So, um, I'll put that in the, I'll put the link to that in the show notes for this episode. Um, it just has some, I mean, it's not saying you shouldn't use, you know, phones or, you know, whatever with your kids. It's just, you know, just awareness to, um, you know, something, a, a conversation that you may not have. It's a little bit outside of the box. So it's a conversation that you may not be having with your children about social media, or you might be doing it in a different way. Um, and, you know, you might enjoy this perspective. I, I certainly did. And I think I'll be incorporating that, um, you know, as we continue on with these discussions, because, you know, even though my, my children don't have, um, their own devices, um, you know, we do of course have discussions about internet safety and what happens if you come across something that's not for kids and, you know, whatever, all that really, you know, kind of terrifying stuff. But anyway, um, today's episode, I am thrilled to share with you. It is with the delightful Karen Davis, who is a good friend of mine. Um, she is a speech-language pathologist, and she tells us about her momming, because, of course, she's a mom, and she tells us about her job, and, you know, obviously, as a speech-language pathologist, um, what she does um, for a living in her area of expertise is, you know, totally within the realm of what all moms, um, you know, are dealing with. We all want our kids to be successful with speech and language. So, in this episode... You will hear a delightfully long conversation about tea. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit obscene how much we talk about tea, but then we move on, and there's lots of wonderful things that go on after that. So if you can um, not, uh, you know, stop the episode while we're talking about tea, you will get to lots of good stuff. Um, she has a great calming strategy that she uses with her kids that um, I just re-listened to our interview, and you know, just took note of it because I think it's a great calming strategy and it's super simple and, you know, it's so easy a caveman could do it. And I'm kind of surprised I never thought of it sooner. Um, yeah. So without further ado, I bring you my lovely conversation with Karen Davis. Hello, hello, hello. I'm here today with Karen Davis. How are you, Karen? I'm good. How are you doing today? Very good. Very good. We were just talking before we started recording about tea and decaffeinated drinks, and I've got my caffeine-free Coke with my 400 grams of sugar. And I'm drinking Tazo orange tea. That is wonderful. My favorite tea is, um, what's it called? It's Traditional Medicinals um, Cup of Calm. Oh, I drink... Tazo now has a lot of dessert teas. So there's like a Ooh. butterscotch blondie, really? a white bean macaroon. Really? Mm-hmm. And my students wow. are always like, what's that smell, Mrs. Davis? Is it cookies? But it's not. It's just tea. Ooh, that's nice. I'll have to mm-hmm. check those out. I've kind of, I just started drinking tea when um, I started abroad in London because I was like, well, I have to drink tea. Right. It was why I, I was actually, it was like. The second day we were there, and all of this, the kids that were studying abroad um, went on this uh, river cruise uh, on the Thames. And they had, like, this tea reception downstairs. And I'm like, 
I don't like tea, but I'm going to start liking it right now. Today's the day. <laughs> I'm a jury who. Right. I'm going to have some tea. So, yeah, so I just stuck with, like, I think English breakfast, which is caffeinated, right. of course. And I just have had that or, like, straight up, like, like what's that, red rose tea? Mm-hmm. Um, because my grandmother used to have the little figurines. So then now you have to send away for the figurines, but right. like for the first like eight years that I was an adult, you could buy the red rose tea and get the little figurine in the box. Now you can't, which is very sad. But, um, but yeah, recently I've been like venturing out. So that sounds really good. Tazo, you said, is the Tazo brand? Tazo is the okay. brand. And I do there. I drink hmm. mint, English breakfast. They have English breakfast. Okay. Yeah. I do like an English um, breakfast tea. Earl oh. Grey. I like their Earl Grey I too. I do not like Earl Grey. And I feel like I should because talk about British, but. Yeah. It, um. Earl Grey does have caffeine in it. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I just, this, even the smell of it. I'm not a fan. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Well, we didn't. Get together to talk about tea, although that's a lovely thing to talk about anytime. Um, I'm here talking with Karen because um, Karen is a mom of three boys. God bless her. I'm doing the sign of the cross yeah, and it, you can't see. It's busy. <laughs> it and is fun busy. And dangerous. And her boys are, I know you're not allowed to say that a boy is all boy because, you know, that's like in bad, you know, whatever, bad taste these days. And I get that. I'm, and I totally get that deal. Um, but they are. But, <laughs> but our we, boys are all yeah. boys. So they are seven, five, and three right now, and they oh are tree climbing, playing in the mud. Mm-hmm. And our boys, yes, and her youngest and my youngest are less than a week apart. And um, yeah, her youngest. We were just saying. I was just saying. Her youngest is like ready to recite the Gettysburg Address. Like he is just, and he's always been. So much farther ahead than my youngest. And my youngest is my only boy. And it's just hysterical to watch them grow, you know, side by mm-hmm. side. And it's just, it's just so funny. And oh, my gosh. When you have three of the same, you know, I have yes. three all, all boys. And they're all so different. So I had yeah. one. I know we're going to get into a conversation about language. So I had one who had a pretty significant language delay. Mm-hmm. My middle son came out of the womb speaking like yes. an adult so he didn't <laughs> yes, ever he did. use any like baby talk or anything yes, and then my youngest kind of like the middle one <laughs> it's more like the middle one but he used baby talk so he yeah. used like the mama baba yes. those kinds of things whereas my middle one didn't at all right oh my goodness well yeah so so i'm here with karen because not only is she a mom of three and of course this podcast is all um interviews with moms um, Karen is also a speech and language pathologist um, at an elementary school. So I have lots of questions about that. But you know what? Let's start with um, my first question I have for you is, as a mom of three very busy boys, um, what are some things that you've learned to stick to your guns about? And what are some things that you've learned to, you know, let it go, let it go like Elsa? So this is a kind of complicated question because <laughs> once you have three boys that are really close in age, so mine are three and a half years apart total. Yes. Um, there's a lot of things that when you begin this journey as a mom, you think like, I will absolutely not let my kids oh, do this. Oh, of course. And then once you have a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old and a newborn and the one-and-a-half-year-old standing on the dining room table because he can jump off and fly, you have to relax <laughs> a little bit and you can't, you can't yes. get upset about everything. So one of the things 
that I do still insist on, which seems kind of crazy, is using calming strategies, which is something that okay. you wouldn't think of. So anytime yeah, no, that one of my kids that. starts to cry or whine or yell, the first thing I say is, before you can talk to me, you need to take a deep breath. Or before you can talk to me, you need to count to 10 so I can understand what you're saying. It's a good way to teach them calming strategies because as they become adults, they need to be able to monitor that themselves, obviously. But also it's a good way to gauge how hurt they are or how upset they are. If you have a kid who's coming to you crying and they can't take a deep breath or they can't count to 10, then their level of upset is much higher than somebody who's just doing that to get your attention. Yeah, gosh. And, you know, I've seen you, we go to the same pool, um, we belong to the same pool association, and, you know, I've seen Karen in action, and, um, yeah, you just, I feel like I get, it's probably just because, you know, everybody's always way more self-critical than they are critical of their friends, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I feel like, I, you know, maybe it's that Italian side of me, you don't look like you have much Italian in you. No, (laughs) none. I don't overly look like I have a lot, but I have 50%, and the 50% I have is Sicilian. Right. Lord have mercy. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm, like, I get way more flustered, and you always seem like you're, like, able to laugh things off, and you're you're always able to talk very calmly to your kids, no matter how, like, chaotic things may seem. That's, gosh, I never even would have thought of that. You know, I would have thought it would have been something, you know, things you stick to your guns about, um... I don't know, sitting at the dinner table together. Well, or, you know yes. what I mean? Like something yeah. like very like um, tangible like that. So mm-hmm. that, gosh, that's a great thing. And we we do sit at the dinner sure, table every right, night. Right. And we, you know, we have a conversation about what was your favorite part of the day? What was mm-hmm. your least favorite part of the day? Um, I love that. I love that question. And, and we do that every night. But, um, but the common strategies thing for kind of how wild my house is, mm-hmm. is something that kind of ties it all together because... Yeah, that's great. We have injuries and upset all the time. I mean, <sighs> I just spent a half an hour outside and almost the entire time was an argument about whether or not you could win trophies for getting down the sidewalk first. <laughs> so to kind of gauge how important this is, oh, I'm like, goodness. okay, before we cry, let's, let's take a deep breath. <laughs> Let's figure out figure this out. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. What have you learned to let go? So when I only had one mm-hmm. for child, five minutes. For five minutes. That's about how long <laughs> I had one. Um I was always showered and dressed and ready to go when I left the house in the morning. Mm-hmm. I made sure I, I don't understand why this is happening, you know? Right. And I also insisted that no one ever sleep in my bed. Which I know a lot of people oh, of still stick not. strong to. Oh, yes. Yep. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I realized when I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old who was still getting up every two hours to nurse yep. and I was working is that you have to do what's going to work for you in that moment. Yeah. So that's so true. That's one of the things that I did let go. So if somebody now wakes up in the middle of the night, I'm like, climb in the middle. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Sleep is so important. Yes. And I can't. After yeah. all these years of not sleeping, that's one of the things I've had to let go. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and, you know, I remember talking to a mom of, oh, she one up to you. She has four boys. They might be farther apart. Um, I'm trying to think how old her oldest and youngest is. Um, well, anyway. And she, uh, 
I remember her telling, I remember talking to her. We were at some, like, I think we were going to see, like, one of the school musicals. We happened to run into each other. She's another music teacher. And I remember her saying um, that with her, like, she, because she was, even at the time, her youngest was probably five or six or something. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that now she really, she's very relaxed about if somebody wants to climb into her bed because she really sees that that time's not going to last forever. Right. So, I mean, not that you want to, you know, I'm actually in my house, I kind of have an issue because my youngest is in our bed every single night. And it's like, it's, it's a problem. It's too far the other way. And for, for us, for what we like right. having, but, um, yeah, I thought, Oh God, that totally changed my perspective. I just, something about the way she said it and, and the look in her eye. And I thought, Oh gosh, you know, and I think my poor oldest, I used to, you know, I was adamant. I was going to let her cry it out. And, and oh my word, did she cry it out? Of course, she had, she was colicky, but. Right. Still, I, I did yeah, you just thing. have to survive. When I was, I don't know. When my oldest was a baby, I did the cry it out method. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked for him. It took a couple nights and then he slept. My middle son, that did not work at all. He would cry for hours and hours at a time. And right. It just wasn't worth it. Right. But one of the things that, I think in terms of our kids that we sometimes don't think about is, so every kid is going to need something different at a different time. So my oldest really needed me a lot when he was younger, but my other two didn't necessarily. Right. So now my youngest slept through the night until I went back to work. Right. So now he needs me. He needs me in the middle yeah. of the night, which is not my favorite time for right. kids to need me. But they just they need different things at different times and yes, that that's in true. this moment is his time. Yes. And my youngest he climbs in my bed pretty much every single night. Um, because it makes me feel better if I say pretty much than if I don't add that in there. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna pretend it's not every yeah. night. Yeah. We'll, so I'll pretty much every night. Um, at least eight days a week. And, um, but he does immediately go back to sleep. I mean, it's never an issue. And I have to say with my other two, it wasn't, they didn't immediately go back to sleep. So come to think of it, I guess I kind of look back at myself like, oh, why wasn't I more generous about that? But it's because they didn't just go to sleep. He's like, as soon as he climbs into my bed, he's out. Right. He like twirls my hair once and we're good. And the other ones are like kicking you and flipping over 17 times. And wanting to talk. And punching you in the face. And (laughs) having your cheek and... Yeah. Oh, yes. They need different things at different times. And right yes. now, they have so to true. need their own bed. Oh, my word. <laughs> yes. Thank gosh we have a king bed. Okay. Well, we have other things to talk about besides that. Um, let's, um, you know what? Let's let's talk about your job a little bit. So, speech-language pathologist. I've kind of learned more recently a bit more since I do have a child that's um, been getting some speech therapy but, you know, tell me about that. Tell me about what you do and, and um, because obviously, you know, every speech-language pathologist's job is a little bit different. Yeah. But go ahead. Tell us. So I am in a school district, and I work mostly with kids who have significant language delays. So the majority of my practice is working on improving receptive and expressive language skills and social language skills. So, okay, expressive and receptive. Expressive is talking. Right, talking. Trying to get their stuff out, and receptive is... Is understanding. Understanding, okay. So, the other piece that many speech pathologists spend a lot of time with is articulation, which is speech sound production. Yes, I thought... 
I do before. much less of that. Yeah, I thought that that was like when you go to a speech, like a kid who goes to speech or anybody who goes to speech, it's because, you know, they have a speech impediment or, you know, whatever. It's, it's all articulation. I thought that that, that that was what speech therapy was. Right. And I have learned that that is not. That is one piece right. to it. That's one hmm. piece of it. So my job is to teach the skills, practice the skills, and then work on the performance of the skills across settings. So there's, I have kids who have a skill deficit, which means they don't necessarily have the language skills or the social language skills to interact. And then I have kids who have all of the skills, but they don't perform them in multiple settings. So it's about practice, situational role play, that kind of thing. I see. Okay. So speech therapy is really intertwined with literacy skills and, you know, just development you know, it's just all part of that. Yes, definitely. Well, and so this is where articulation can impact literacy because if a child can't say the sounds or use the sounds, it's harder for them to understand how to read or write the sounds. Okay. Um, so let's say you have a child who has an error on a TH that could be an F. And if they weren't yes. to write the word three, they would write it as free. Right. So they wouldn't correctly spell or read something with their error in it. The other piece is the understanding and use of language piece. So a huge part of what we are expecting kids to do not only is to decode and read, but is to understand what they read, make connections and inferences to a text. And if you don't necessarily have the language skills to be able to answer questions or to make inferences to put together the ideas in the text, so that language piece is going to really see. impact literacy. Wow, gosh, it's so much more, it's just so much more multidimensional than mm-hmm. I had realized because I, you know, like I said, I really thought it was articulation based. But when, you, when you're looking at all of that, I mean, making inferences and, I mean, my gosh. So it's <laughs> a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, there's yes. a lot to it. So what are some things that parents can do at home during the early childhood years, you know, even regardless of whether or not that, you know, if they think their child is, you know, developing typically mm-hmm. or, you know, or otherwise, you know, what are some things that parents can do at right. home during those early years to encourage, you know, good language growth? Read, read, <laughs> read, read to your, ch- your children. Um, okay. So when you're reading to a child, they're going to hear many words that they would not necessarily hear in everyday conversation okay, because sure. it is story-based or even if it's non-fiction, it's non-fiction text, um, mm. they're learning tons of vocabulary and, and um, that kind of thing. In addition to that, it's just talk all day long. When you're at home, kids need to hear words over and over and over again, and they get to a point where their brain is developing and they learn those words very quickly. But before they're at that kind of language explosion, they just need to hear words repeatedly um, and expand their utterances. So if a child is only saying um, one or two words, you're going to expand that to longer. So let's say they say, mommy, drink. Oh, you say, you say, mommy, mommy, I want to drink. So instead of leaving it at two words, you're expanding it to be closer to um, an adult utterance. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that makes sense. I mean, gosh. And you know, um, it's interesting because especially I think the more kids you have, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you learn to try to read your child's mind as much as possible to make your day, because you have 8,000 things you to have to do. To avoid those tantrums. To avoid those tantrums. Yes. That's really just it. Like, I just wake up every day. It's just how few tantrums, like, how do I minimize <laughs> right. the frequency and the severity of tantrums? So, you know, that is, um, that can take, like, for me, that really takes a conscious effort on my part because right. especially by the, t- you know, I'm on my third, I have three now, and it's like, if I can read their mind, it just gives them what they want. You know, I'm <laughs> well, and I have seen Faster. a lot of third children or second siblings who are very close mm-hmm. because what can happen is let's say you have a, a four year old and a two year old and your four year old says, mommy, I want some cookies. And you say, oh, okay, and you give the four-year-old cookies, and then the two-year-old's there, and you just give the two-year-old cookies. Sure. And then they don't have to ask for anything, and then they don't but have to the generate But when the four-year-old was two, they like, would have to. Right, and when sure. the four-year-old was two, they had to. So I will I have said to parents, you know, do you think that maybe your older child is talking for your younger child? And they say, oh, no, 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 that's yeah. definitely not happening. And then I'll go a week later, and they'll say, you know what? I really paid attention to it, and that's exactly what's happening. I am letting... Yes. My younger child not ask for things because I'm just giving them. I have totally been guilty of that. Absolutely. Gosh. Um, Yeah, because I think that the, would you say it's a misconception that younger siblings will develop better language because they have an older child as a model? Or is it maybe Um, not a misconception, but it's maybe people put too much stock in that or or no? I... Kids do what they're good at. Okay, sure. So if you have a younger child who isn't great at speaking, they're going to be less likely to speak if they don't have to. Right, sure. So some kids are just very fluent, easy to pick up language kids. And so they are going to learn a lot from their older siblings. A lot of not nice things, perhaps, from their (laughs) older siblings. Not that that's going on anywhere I know of. But, um... (laughs) But then there's other kids who are just going to kind of let their older siblings, like, take the lead. So it really, I think, depends on personality. It depends on how hold and how easily that language piece comes. Right. Okay. Now, what if you have concerns that your preschooler might have a speech issue? What, you know, what, what should you be looking for? What are the indicators? I shouldn't even say preschooler, but um, just, you know, like, how early do you even need to be... Does that does speech and language issues need to be on the radar? And you know what are the indicators? So, for speech, that so speech so pathologists are going to use speech okay. to refer to articulation. Okay, so spe- okay. that's going to be the speech sound. Okay, so very young children rarely are going to qualify for therapy based on articulation errors because right speech is so varied in developing. Kids are not supposed to be understandable when they're two or two and a half when they're very little. Right. Like, is it, um, is it like, it's just a very wide range of what's typical? It's just a huge range normal? of typical. Yep. Okay. So, what I kind of use as my guideline is you want sentence length to be about how many months old they are. So, oh. if you have a 12 month old, they should be saying single words. That's okay. what you would expect. Once your child is one and a half, 
Oh, like about one year. I'm yes. thinking because I'm like, oh my god, they're supposed to say like twelve word sentences. No, 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 no. <laughs> twelve so, months. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So, right. So once your child is one and a half, you would expect half of their sentences to be one word. And okay. the other half of their sentence is to be about two words. Oh, okay. And then you can see as you... So Gosh, why did two, nobody tell me this? Like You're going to want two and a half to no, three words. No, forget the labor class, like labor and deliberate. <laughs> I mean, those are helpful classes too, but I just... Right, but Gosh. then they give you a baby and you have no idea what to yes, do. Yes, you like watch a couple of videos like, okay, I won't shake my baby. Promise. Right. Got it. Yes. Um, you know, like, yeah, like I know how many poops we're supposed to have a day or whatever. Like... Oh, that would have been so helpful to know. Right. Hmm. And then, so it's, and if you are concerned that your child has a language delay or an articulation delay, have an evaluation done. A lot of people are nervous about making the referral because this is going to be the first time that you hear that there's, that your child has challenges. Mm. So and getting, that's really scary. And that's Sometimes really scary. Just and you don't want to do that. Yeah. Keep their hands in about it. If you are concerned, get the evaluation because it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to give you a ton of peace of mind and saying, you know what? My child is where they need to be or they're a little bit below where they need to be, but they don't really qualify. But these are some things we can do. Okay. Or it's going to say, hey, listen, my child is pretty far behind. They do need services, and let's, but let's get them for them now and learn what we can change in their environment to make them more successful. Okay. So the earlier you get services, the better. And if you have a concern, get an evaluation. Okay. And you can do that for free, right? Like you yeah. just go to your pediatrician and... In, in New York State. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, true. You know, I don't know the laws in other states, but... Right. So where we are, you would call the county that you live in for a child who's under three. So that would be early intervention. Right. So you'd call the county and request an early intervention evaluation. Once your child is school is preschool age in New York, which is three years old or above, the evaluation occurs through the school district. So you can make your referral to your local school district and they will put you in contact with agencies that can do the evaluation for you. Okay. And one thing that I think I actually thought about earlier is that even if your concern for a three-year-old is only language-based or only physical-based, you also get a psychological evaluation at that time. Right. It's a full on right. Right. It's, that's full re- evaluation. Right. That's required by law. It's not that they believe there's something wrong with your child. It's that that's what New York State requires. We need to have a baseline for academic and functional performance at the initial evaluation. Okay. Um all right. So when it comes to school age kids, mm-hmm. It's my understanding that they don't really qualify for speech services unless they're having academic issues. Like, for example, if like the three free example, if yes. they're writing the word, when they're trying to write the word three, if they spell it F-R-E-E, um, mm-hmm. then they would probably qualify. Um, like, is that true? It really has to be like an academic issue or will they get, um, you know, services for, um, for like, what do I want, like specific speech Articulation. That's the okay. word I'm thinking of. So this is going to depend on your school district. In order to qualify for speech or language services in many school districts, you have to have a certain standard score on testing instruments. Oh, right. So so they take a test and they have to be certain right. amount below right. the norm. You have to be a certain per- amount. Per- be- yeah. Right. Okay. The standard score below the norm in order to qualify. 
In other school districts, they might have a program that's like a speech improvement program. So okay. it's for students who don't necessarily qualify based on testing, but okay. who are demonstrating some issues. So that could be just speech sound errors. So okay. you could have a student who is only having speech sound errors. It's not affecting their reading. It's not affecting their intelligibility with peers or their teacher. But we want to correct those so they don't get to adulthood and not be able to say right. L and R and that kind of thing. Right, right. You also may have, in the early grades, students who are a little bit behind with language. And that can be specifically addressed through work with concepts or maybe work in a social skills group or that kind of thing. Okay. That's not necessarily required to have an IEP, an individualized right. education plan, but can be seen at a speech improvement level. So they'd only be seen once or twice. I see. As opposed to okay. anything greater than that. So with a lot of the, like, I've, I've kind of come to learn that, you know, while speech and speech impediments is something different than an articulation error, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> so speech or impediment. one like the umbrella term or something. Right. So an articula articulation, a group of articulation error, errors could be considered a speech impediment. You could also be thinking of something like a lisp or a okay. stutter. Okay. Um, I don't use the term speech impediment anymore. Okay. So that's, Is that out of favor these days? <laughs> I don't hear it. It's hard for me so to I'm keep assuming, up. I'm okay. Is that a favor? Um, <laughs> Sorry if I've insulted most, anybody. <laughs> you know, like I said before, most of my students are language kids. Sure. So I don't mm -hmm. have... Um, you don't have any, like, just Arctic kids... Typically, right? Not typically. Okay. I mean, I have in the past, but right. right now, you know, my caseload is full of okay. kids. Sure. Who, uh, and many of my students have social language issues. They don't understand how to have a conversation or interact in right. a group more or follow along or something. Sure. You know, like that. So that's. And some of these errors, they're age appropriate, right? So some of these articulation errors are, like, they're not particularly significant. Right. So, like, I, you know, like, how, like R is one of those later sounds, yes. right? So how late is R? So, so there's some students who naturally develop R up until the age of seven. Oh, okay. So let's say for me, if a student were to come into kindergarten and we were just do like their... Like up to and including seven? Yes. Okay. Yep. Because um, I have a very cute, cute sounding, almost, almost seven-year-old that I live with. Yeah. That I just, oh my goodness... She and, does have the cutest little voice. And, um, <laughs> and she does not say her R's. And R R's. can be trickier to fix because okay. um, because you say it differently with each vowel that it's with. So oh. you say it one way in the initial position, and then you're sure. going to say it a different way when it's with I an see. O, and a different way when it's E. And sure. So um, R's a little bit trickier. Um, so students coming into kindergarten, you would expect them to have all of their speech sounds except possibly L, R, and S. Okay. So you said L, R, like L, comma, R? R, okay. comma, S, comma. Okay. Um, for me, if, we have a, if I have a student who is missing all of those sounds, okay. I would refer them for an evaluation. If I had a student who came in and was missing one of those sounds, okay. it's somebody that I would monitor. So we'd check okay. them again in a year and see... Kind of where they sure. are. Now, if you have a student who's coming in and they have an error on a K or a G. Okay. Or. That's an earlier sound, That's an right? earlier development okay. sound. Or a T or a D or an M, N. Right. Um, then that's something that we would certainly evaluate and try to get on top of much sooner. I see. Um, 
So if you have a cute little almost seven-year-old yes. who <laughs> only has the R error, mm-hmm. then maybe it's coming. Right. But maybe it's not. Right. So you don't necessarily want to wait. Right, I see. In case it's maybe not. Right. So, it's not scary, but it's sort of, I don't know. And, you know, it's just, I feel like it just added to the list of things I have to worry about. Yes. Being a mom. Yes. Gosh, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just one more thing. One more thing. This is what she needs from you at this time. Oh, this is like the theme of right? this episode. But in two years, <laughs> right. she's not going to need that. You know what I right, mean? Right, so, right. It'll be a different thing. And she needs you less <laughs> right. than, than your three-year-old needs you. Right. <laughs> and in a different way. Yes. Oh, yes. So, okay. It's, it's all kind of an ebb and flow. Right. Peace. Now, are you... Um, I was just talking about cell phone usage. With somebody recently. Oh, yes. <laughs> Are you saying, you know, we were talking about um, when you were, or I was thinking about this when you were talking about uh, with early, at the early childhood age, you should really like, you know, read, 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 read to your kids and talk a lot with them. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of this data that I had read in a book um, back when I was still teaching full, full time. I was reading a book about, um, I think it was called Teaching with Poverty in Mind. I think that was what the name of it was. Okay. And there was some data in there about um, children growing up in poverty have, like, a significantly different um, uh, amount of words that are spoken. Gosh, I wish I could remember what it was. It was something like the number of words spoken to them per day is, like, far less. You know, the, the, the statistic is, like, far less than the number of words Right. So then they, I'm saying it all yes. backwards. So the number of words that a child hears yes. who is in poverty is usually half yes. or more or less than another child. Right. Um, in addition and, and, and sometimes it's more or less than the, than that than the child in a you know, in a, a you know, higher class um, uh, situation says. Utters. Right. They, it, uh, that was remarkable to me. And like, just, like, took my breath away. And it's, it was not, I believe, and I, obviously, we're not referencing the study immediately, but I also believe the type and tone of words were significantly different in terms yes. of building vocabulary and understanding. Sure. Now, the reason why I bring that up, I, I mean, that's something you could talk about all day, because that's just, uh, just like I said, mind-blowing. Right. But um, I wonder if... And you may or may not be able to, you know, really comment on this, but I wonder if because of um, parents, you know, across the board being so um, distracted with, you know, smartphones particularly, um, I mean, between television and smartphones, I mean, forget it, um, you know, I wonder if there's, if there's data or if you're able to, if you see a difference, you know, more recently with, with kids, you know, I mean, even coming from affluent backgrounds, I wonder right. if that data is now skewed. If it's not as significant because, you know, right. kids coming from um, non-poverty households are not being spoken to as much. I don't know mm-hmm. if there's been a change. I do know that... Like, anecdotally, I almost... Right. I feel like I, I would put money on that. I do know that many, many, many of my students spend a majority of their time while they're at home playing video games. Mm. And that's... They're reporting that to me, so right. I'm sure. not 
It's Excuse not necessarily me, the full picture. Right, right, right. It's not necessarily the full picture. But um, when I, I took one of my sons to a specialist, um, a developmental pediatrician, and he said the majority of the children that I'm seeing in here are spending a lot of their time on video games and TV and technology and not as much time interacting. And wow. I see it a lot in restaurants. Yes. When you take absolutely. your kids out to eat instead of sitting down at the table and having a conversation or engaging with the people around them, the kids at the table are engaging with the technology that they have and not necessarily having a conversation or working on appropriate behavior in a restaurant. Sure. Or appropriate behavior in wherever they are. So this is just another place where, you know, we have to be mindful of our technology use and, you know, apart from this, just the social part of it, um, but it can impact speech and language development. I'm certain that it will. Hmm. And I think, as <sighs> always, there's always going to be positive uses of technology. Sure. It's going to depend on how you use it, what what are the games your kids are playing and right. what are they looking up on the internet and what videos are they watching on YouTube right. and um, just kind of being really aware of if they're learning what you want them to learn. Right. <laughs> I know. So true. Um, and time. I think time yes. on devices. Yeah. It's like quality really, and quantity. You, right. Yeah. You have, yeah. You have to be very careful with both of those. Hmm. So. Well, do you see any, are there any trends, um, you know, that you see or things that parents can do differently or common misconceptions or things that you want to, you know, scream from a mountaintop <laughs> that you wish people knew um, from your experiences as a speech language pathologist? I think one of the things that I'm really running into right now is kids with social needs okay. and... That is something that seems to be really tricky to teach. So I think there's some people who are saying, you know what, this is this is how they are. This is what they do. We can't really teach it. Um, and I think we just always need to remember that we need to practice the right behaviors with our kids and with our students. Right. So it's like back to the basics. Right. If they're not asking a peer to join in, then they need to practice joining in, and you need to role play that at home. If you hear from your child's preschool teacher, yeah, they're not really playing with many different toys. They're always playing with this one toy. Role play how you're going to play with different toys, how you're going to pretend play. So pretend play in your kitchen. This is what this is going to look like. Pretend play with your cars. Mm. This is what it's going to look like. Gosh, so, my gears are turning and I'm thinking, ooh, like if I were to give myself a grade on this as a mom, like how well... Right? Hmm. And so pretend you're somebody else. Okay, let's pretend I'm Johnny from school and you mm -hmm. want to play with me. Come up to me and say it. Okay, right. That's how you're going to say it. Now do that again. Do it. No, I won't play with you. So that they're not, you're not always giving the same, them the same response, oh, but are understanding okay. that there can be different responses. Right. And then what to do after that. Okay. Um, Interesting. And I bet that is a lot to do with this cell phone thing. Right. So you know, that I am not immune from. Oh, I'm not either. I am I'm not, not above. Don't get me wrong. I am dealing with my own addiction issues in my house for sure. Um, okay. Gosh, anything else? So that's all I can think of now. It's kind but of the big thing. Okay. Right. Just practice. There's not a skill that you can't teach in some way. 
Mm, I'm not saying that you're going to get it perfect. Right. But you can improve on a skill that a child is lacking. Okay. And help them be more successful. All right, Karen Davis. I think that was very helpful. All right. Well, I have a few questions that I like to ask at the end of every interview. We'll see how I do with these. Okay. So, favorite author and or book? So, I have a terrible, terrible memory. Okay. So, I'm going to start by saying that. Um, Hi, my name's Dory. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, So, I am very lucky because my husband buys just tons and tons of books and puts them in my nightstand that he thinks I'll be interested in reading. So, I just kind of pull out a book and I'm like, eh, yeah, I like this. He's just the best. We love Mr. Davis. Um, So, I really like um, Richard Russo. Okay. I've read all of his books. They're all fiction, small town little dramas going on. Okay. Um, and Lisa C. And for some reason, I cannot remember a title of one of her books, but Lisa C. Lisa C. Yes. Like the S-E. letter C? Okay. <laughs> S-E. So those were very, really good books. And I just read a Philip Pullman book. Okay. Well. Another fiction. Another fiction. Okay. I'm not a great nonfiction I reader. am like a huge, as of like the last, well, actually I've kind of been getting getting into this more and more but over the last year or so I have been a huge self-help junkie oh my god I like can't get enough of like inspirational I've just read three of Brene Brown's books and I'm just like she is you know what my issue is Hmm. I read three pages a day (laughs) like that's all I've got in me I got you there so I am just exhausted every night when I get into bed so I read three pages and then I go to sleep and right so it's very hard for me to get into anything I yeah no I totally hear you and I didn't when I was re- when I was working full-time I am trying to didn't read that much yeah a little bit here and there but yeah I love um I don't know it's kind of what I'm into yeah, lately I'm a self-help person um yeah I guess I just need a lot of help I don't know <laughs> I think I need a lot of help too I just have not I'm just not finding yeah. it <laughs> All right, favorite quote? Okay, so I actually had to look this up because I'm not a big quote person because okay. I'm not a big self-help person, I guess. <laughs> I think they go hand in hand. Oh, there's um, lots of wonderful quotes that are definitely not self-help um, quotes. It so, doesn't have to be an inspirational quote. Well, one of the things that I am trying to teach my kids to do, but I'm trying to live, which is also very hard. Yes. You get wrapped up in everything. Because you're kind of human. Um, it's to be kinder than necessary. Yes. Because you don't ever know. Is that know. a wonder? It's... Um, this, my phone, my smartphone says it's J.M. Barry, but it's be kinder than necessary because everyone you meet is fighting some kind of battle. Okay. But I think we don't need the whole quote. Right. Just be kinder than necessary. Just be kinder than necessary. And absolutely. Everyone will walk out of the situation a little bit better. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and actually in the, I'm going to just bring this up really quick. In the, the most recent Brene Brown book that I have read, or the Brene Brown book I have read most recently, that's probably a better way of putting it, <laughs> which is not her most recent book, it's uh, Rising Strong, um, there's a whole chapter um, dedicated to um, where she kind of um, rumbles with the concept of, is everybody doing the best that they can? Because right. when you get frustrated with somebody... You know, is your reaction, are you looking at them, you know, thinking that they're doing the best they can with what they have, with the tools Mm -hmm. they have or what they know or whatever, just are they doing the best they can? And by the end of it, she, you know, basically realized that 
Yeah. First of all, she does. She does truly believe that everybody's doing the best they can, mm-hmm. and um, and her husband. She had talked about a story about how she had talked to her husband about it. Her husband basically said, like, well, you know, I don't know if that's true, but my day goes a lot better when I'm thinking that everybody's doing the best they can. Right. So there you go. I love that. Be kinder than necessary. Actually, another one that I just thought of as you were talking um, that I heard on Oprah. I I, Listen. I used to love Oprah. She is like... She is my girl right now. I'm loving Oprah, like loving her podcast, the Super Soul Sessions. Love, love, love. And so I don't know who it was on her show that Mm. said this, but they said every time a child walks into a room, make sure they think you're excited to see them. Because you may be the only person excited to see them all day. That's so. Yeah. Every, for me, I'm in a school. You used to be in a school. Yep. And I'm a mom. I try to be so excited to see my children and my students every day. Yep. And the reality is you don't like your kids every moment. And you you may not necessarily <laughs> like true. them every morning because Very they may have kept true. you up all night long. Absolutely. But in that moment that you see a child for the first time, you need to be excited to see them. Gosh, yeah. That, that is a great... Um, that's a great quote to think to live by. Hmm, imagine what the world would be like if we all did that. Okay, guilty pleasure. You know, I tea. tea all day long. <laughs> I'm drinking tea all day long, but I really love cookies. Mm-hmm. Oh, cookies and candy. I'm mm-hmm. such a like junk food junkie. Not chips. I, yeah, I, I like could sweets. just never eat chips. Yeah, but give me Cadbury mini eggs. Oh. Man, those Cadbury mini eggs mm-hmm. are the best. Mm-hmm. They are so good. Cadbury mini eggs. Yeah, they're just good. I like homemade chocolate chip cookies. I'm trying to think of all the things that I bad things I could have eaten today. What else did? I oh my want? gosh, yes. We made um, little pret like pretzels with mm-hmm. those white chocolate um, wafers that you melt and put M yes. Ms on it. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the salty and the sweet. Oh, yes. this is so good. Well, and it's funny. So I have, just have a quick story. So my kids. This podcast is probably going to be like four hours long. Four hours long, and I think everybody is going to enjoy it. I I have to listen to the whole thing. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know what I should do at the beginning? I'll be like, "We're giving away a prize at the end." For all of you people that listen to the yes. whole thing, that's an hour long. I know, um, I know. If I'll have to like say, we'll have to say a code word at the end, and like anybody who tells me what that code word is, like, um, you get a five dollar drunken gift card because if you made it to the end, <laughs> how about we not? We're a Maggie show. Um, listen, it says it right in my podcast, um, right in my little intro. Amazing moms doing amazing things. That's right. Like talking about Cadbury Here we are. mini eggs. So <laughs> I love to bake. And yes, you do. I baked these awesome sugar cookies with Rolos in them. Oh, and come on. And I put them on top of the car in the garage to cool because the Rolos got soft oh, and they needed to harden. Oh, dear. Don't tell me there was some kind of tragic Oh, this is, this is not tragic. My three-year-old <gasps> let himself into the garage and climbed on top of the SUV oh my and was God. sitting on top of the SUV eating cookies. Oh, my God. I love it. 
Did I get mad? No, I took his picture. No, because you just kept to... walking along and singing your song. That's right. You have to remember that for the rest <laughs> of your life, right? You're yes. three-year-old sitting on top of a car, shoving his face with cookies. Right, and not just a car, not like a little sedan. No, not a not sedan. Not like a Fiat. Nope. No. See, this, is our, this is our guilty pleasure. Love for sugar. Oh, my word. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Um, beside, I love this question. It's probably really dorky, but I think it's really cute. <laughs> Besides your family, what gets you going? What puts the fizz in your soda? <laughs> yeah, fizz in your soda. So that's such a Maggie Tallman quote. That is. Um, so <laughs> I had to really think about this because I was like, "What do I do?" I know because I feel like the standard Other answer is like, work. "I just love to spend time with my family. family." Yeah, that's not true. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love sports. I am really competitive. Okay, I don't compete much now, but I compete in the fantasy football league every year, so I have to watch football every Sunday because I want to win that league. Um, that is awesome. I used to love watching baseball all the time, but okay. we got rid of cable, Yes, and there's not a ton yes, of baseball on network that, TV. That's so we're cutting. But sports are my thing. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, they are not my thing, but that is great. I wish they were my thing. I need to figure that out. I need to at least get, like, just... Fitness. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, I'm going to save that for the fitness podcast mm-hmm. interview. Um, okay. What keeps you balanced and calm? Tea. <laughs> Tea. No. I get up every morning at 5 a.m. and I work out. Um, okay. Bye. Or, <laughs> We're done. Cut. I'm cutting this right. interview. So now the interview's <laughs> over. No, I, um, I started last January, so like 15 months ago, 16 months yeah, ago. Yeah, that's weird. That was that long ago. But yes. Yeah, and... Um, because I needed to do something. I was back yes. to work. My youngest was two and a half. I yes. felt like I needed to feel human again. Um, yes. But that was d- different. I mean, my priority used to be sleep. And now yes. my priority is kind of trying to be fit and healthy. And my kids are getting big. And I need to be stronger than them for as long as possible. Because yeah. I would have be already been tied up to a chair right. in your house. I can't be. I can't be tied to the chair. I need yes. to be able to walk with them attached to my legs. Yes. Yes. Oh, my word. Yes. Because my five-year-old is almost 70 pounds. Yeah. Yep. He's not fat. <laughs> he is. No, he's not. He's just thick. He is thick. He is solid. Yeah. He's, yeah, so he's, I, have to be, I have to be able to pick him up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my calm. Meanwhile, my middle one, I nickname her Chicken Wing <laughs> because, um, yeah, like my sister-in-law is like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, she makes me so nervous when I see her running like her little legs are going to snap. I don't know, but I just... I'll How much does she mine. weigh? Uh, 38. Okay, pounds. so my three-year-old <laughs> weighs 41 pounds. <laughs> he, oh, my word. Yeah. They might be the same size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably. He's really big. My middle one is... It's remarkable how um, I... I I have almost never seen her in um, leggings that fit. Oh, because yeah, she's they're so almost small, all she can't wear too skinny. Yeah, oh. and it's it's tough because she um, like we have to just have to take everything in, and she needs it for the length. She's typical, you know, but she's like right. fifth percent. <laughs> no, and by like I mean she is fifth. She is fifth percent overweight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which yeah, but my whatever. It's all good. We can talk about that another day. But it's all good. Yeah, she's, we're not she's little within the. Yeah, she is within the normal, you know, thank God she is within the normal whatever. She's just always been slender, just very slender. Okay, Um, and let's wrap it up with what do you think the world needs more of? Tea and speech therapists? Uh, No, (laughs) what do we need? 
Um, I think we need less trying to fit our kids in boxes and Ooh. more, more kind flexibility, of flexibility more. Okay. and freedom because I think that, you know, our, and I don't want to go back to like common core and all of that right. stuff, but there's some it's very... It's a Friday night, Karen. Okay, it's we're recording Friday this on a this Friday night doing. because um, we're cool. And so I just feel like we need a little bit more flexibility and a lot more understanding and a lot more freedom to kind of let our kids explore in areas that they're really interested in and um, and spending a lot less time sitting in chairs. Mm. Okay. So that's my... I do love my sitting in a chair, box. though. Okay. Well, I do too. A comfy <laughs> chair, reading a book, drinking yes. tea, but not necessarily a desk, right. desk yeah, chair. Yeah, no, I hear you. Writing yeah. my spelling words or whatever it is. That yes. I love it. it. Yeah, I know. And we can't even... Nothing about that's going to change anytime soon, but no. hopefully we can. You should homeschool. Um, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's a little too much commitment. That's a little too much commitment. I love my kids, but um, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. And I do love my dis. I do love my school district. I do. I, there's things that I wish the system as a greater whole um, were different, but I think that. Um, the the good stuff outweighs the bad for me. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm not, I'm Obviously, not you feel the same way too. Yeah. I'm not serious about homeschooling. <laughs> right, 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 right. My kids, I, yeah. I work there. So <laughs> yeah, so be right. So I'm there. Preferably, people would continue sending you customers. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I just I'll take them all. Yeah. Take all the customers I can get. I love it. Okay. Well, but no more this year. I'm full. Yeah. <laughs> but you have you're taking requests for next year. Right. Next Perfect. year, I'm good. Perfect. I have enough room for. Two. <laughs> yes, maybe. Oh, that's true. You've probably already done like the uh, what, what do they call the yearly whatever meetings for yes. next year. So I see. Most I of see. them. I'm. I'm. We're good. Yes. I'll always figure it out. But okay. Well, very good, Karen Davis. Thank you so much for coming on and and talking to us a little bit about Thank, yeah tea and a little bit about speech and all that good stuff. I think that's going to be helpful to um, you know to our. To my listeners who, you know, are, are trying to make sure our, their kids have the language skills, you know, needed for life. Know, having life. Yeah. Having a successful life, you know. Yeah. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your day. Thank you. All righty. Bye. Bye. bye.